Okay, let me let me just do this thing. If you could go to your podcast app, internet browser, whatever you use to listen to this show and other shows, leave a, a like, a subscribe, a review. I'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. I'd like to know what you're thinking of the show. Um, I also have a YouTube page, YouTube backslash PA Howdy, I think, but it's also in the description of the show. Um, I'd really like to know... If you're enjoying the videos or which videos are helpful or not helpful, liking and subscribing, I'm assuming you know how YouTube works. Finally, I also have a Patreon page. Um, it's free. Mo almost everything I post on there is free. I do try and keep a few little things for Patreons to say thank you. But, like, access to it is for all levels. Support on there is just support. It's not a product I'm selling. I try not to do ads. I don't do ads anywhere. <laughs> Um, I don't sell you anything, but if you have a dollar this month or every month, three dollars or whatever you can or can't afford, it's just fine with me. But I'd really appreciate any help you could give me with any of that. If you find any value entertainment or anything else in any of my work. So yeah, ch check them out, I guess. And now I have fully sleezed myself up. Uh, we need to do something else. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's do something more fun, okay? Thanks. Bye. Is it at all possible that I forgot to record a podcast this week? Yes, yes. I think it might be within the realm of possibility. In fact... I I, th I think that's just what happened. I, uh, it's Sunday. It's real late Sunday. It's so Sunday, it's pretty much Monday. In fact, it's already been Monday for a while. Um, and I realized I didn't record a podcast this week. I was excited to get the Anthony Miko episode out last week. I was thinking about potential guests and people that I might want to argue with or might disagree with me on something or something that might be pretty cool. I was like, wait. I didn't record this week. I, I apologize. I got swept up. Um, my work schedule changed because my daughter's birthday came up and she wanted to go to King's Island more than anything. So I organized that. Well, my wife organized that, to be fair. And um, we went. We went and I was, I was up there in Cincinnati on Friday, which is, you know, my usual, at least solo recording day. Um, I was swept up in meeting John Bosch at John Bosch FF on Twitter. The first fantasy person really I've met in real life, so that was really exciting at two. And then the journey back and my car through another shoe, as it were. And, and you know, life keeps ticking. And then it's real early or late or whatever it is now, and you realize you didn't record a podcast. But I apologize, but it's okay. Because it was a solo show week anyway, and since it's me, I've been working on kind of a lot of stuff that I was hoping to share with you, and so it's all kind of it's all kind of ready. Um, no prep show with no prep necessary. So, what's today about? Today is about twenty twenty. What else are we going to talk about at this point? Getting ready for the twenty twenty seasons. Pretty much it. Scott Fishbowl's in the rear view. I will forget to set my roster and make waiver claims from here on out. And Scott will probably kick me out for that. Um, trades are slow. I mean, it's just all about what 2020 is going to look like. And even if 2020 
didn't look like a slightly different year because of the COVID crisis and everything else, that would be all we had to talk about. So what I've been looking at recently to try and get a handle on 2020, I know I've done some things uh, about patterns and trends already this off season, but what I've been looking at recently is updating uh, ADP trend data. It's something I looked at last year. I've been looking at a bunch of stuff. That's where we're going to start. Because the first place I want to start every year right now, especially in the vein of, you know, finding what we don't, what we get wrong most often, and then kind of hedging that to try and find an edge in a very efficient market these days. Um, so ADP, what do we get right? Last offseason, I wrote an article and I pointed out that in 2018, our ranks in 2018 before the season, and were hyper-efficient in the top 12 and even in the top 5 at both wide receiver and running back. Now, part of this boiled down to um, running backs just plain didn't get injured as much, but the wide receiver, that doesn't work out as well. I mean, we hit at 75% right rate inside the top 12, meaning 75% of the players we drafted as a top 12 wide receiver finished as a top 12 wide receiver. Is that normal? No. No, that's not normal at all. In fact, the average is around about 50%. We average at most positions 50 or slightly over 50% at all all draft levels that I've looked at. So just to clarify what I'm talking about in case that went by fast, I'm taking DLF ADP in August every year, and then I'm applying what those players did, that we how we drafted them um, in August, uh, the next season. So August seems to be a good cutoff point for roughly what we think before the season starts. We don't have all the news, the season hasn't kicked off, but that's basically what ADP is before the season starts. So I want to use this consistent measurement, and that's what I really like about Dynasty League Football ADP. ADP of all kinds has problems, but that's what I like, and that's what I'm using. And so if Saquon Barkley is drafted as running back one, which he was, and then finished as a top five running back, I consider that accuracy in ADP. We accurately drafted Adon, uh, Saquon Barkley inside the top five at running back, at running back ADP draft position, essentially. And if we draft Kenny Galladay this year as a top 12 wide receiver, but he finishes as wide receiver 15, that's inaccurate ADP. And I've got several categories. It's top five, top 12, top 24, and top 36. And as, you know, Points per game warriors keep pointing out to me. All that matters is a point spread, yes, but I'm not looking at that right now. I'm just getting, trying to get a sense of how lucky and unlucky we are in different seasons. You know, Because we have a certain efficiency, it revolves around an average. We are decent, we don't seem to have much improvement since 2013, if I'm to be honest, um, on all positions. In fact, one thing I would say is we do seem to have seen a bump in the top five at running back since 2013 overall but um in general where we as you'd expect we hit just about over 50 percent of the time at in these different production categories from year to year which is good we're trying to get better than 50 percent. that's what leads me to think we're an efficient a really inefficient market in terms of adp but last few years have been hyper efficient inside the top five at running back inside the top 12 at running back and inside the top 12 at, at wide receiver and top 24 at wide receiver as well. In fact, in 2018, we were hyper-efficient in uh, top 36 wide receivers, meaning that 63% of wide receivers we drafted as the first 36 wide receivers off the board in Dynasty ADP finished inside the top 36 that season in 2018. 
the average is around 58%. We get that a little bit more accurate because there's a large range of outcomes and we're pretty good at picking our sleepers. Um, so 58% inside the top 36, which is pretty cool. Um, but we, we were just too good at it in 2018. And come to 2019, that's what I was doing. I was updating the data to see if, because that was the first time I really looked at it, if that had proven true, if this is something that regresses, if we fall back to average on a yearly basis, because each year looks uniquely different. In 2016, for example, 60% of the running backs we drafted in the top five finished as top five running backs, whereas in 2014, only 20%. 2017, we're, we're down but up in the middle at 40% of the running backs were drafted in the top five. So it does seem to move, but can we use it as a what do we get right more often? What we, might we get um more right or wrong just based on this trend of how good we typically are at drafting and what i found is a lot of what i found found in that article seemed to happen which again it's preliminary data and i'm not sure what's regressing here luck chance getting draft classes right i don't know but it does seem to have led us in the right direction from that article i wrote before the season started in that Running backs in the top 5 and top 12 in ADP finished at a 75% and a 60% rate in terms of accuracy in 2018. In 2019, when I wrote the article, I said that's probably unlikely to keep going. In 2019, it dropped back down to about average. 40% in the top 5 were correct, 50% in the top 12 were correct. And the average is about 40 and 48%. Again, a little hard. If you want to see the table, it's on Patreon. It's free. You can see if you like staring at tables like I do. But needless to say, we went from really, really good at drafting top 12 running backs in 2018 to, you know, just above average, about where you'd hope to be as just a player in Dynasty as a group um, in 2019. Now, one thing, just to stick with running back, that does seem odd in 2019, looking forward now to 2020, and here we get to the crux of looking at 2020, 75% of the running backs we drafted as a top 12, 24 running back in 2019 finished as a top 24 running back. So what's the average? The average is about 55% or 56%, you know, somewhere in there. So we're incredibly efficient inside the top 24, but we're about average inside the top 5 and top 12. What that says to me is part of the influx of running backs suddenly mean everything again now. Part of our, our little community is because the floor for the running backs we drafted in the top 24 was top 24. A lot fewer of them dropped out of the top 24 even if we drafted them highly we're hitting at a 25 75% rate and yet in the top 5 and top 12 again we were back closer to average 40 and 50% but they didn't fall outside the top 24 which is why if we drafted them as a top 24 running back they hit at a 75% rate according to ADP and that's a good feeling my floor was a top 24 running back yay me and that's still too efficient i what i wrote up on patreon was we're not likely to keep succeeding in the top 24 category. But other categories are increased. Maybe we'll get the entire top five right again, or 60% right, like four of them, accurately inside the top five. I'm not saying fade all ADP. I'm just saying we shouldn't expect such a decent floor for the shots we take inside the top 24 as we got out of our 2019 ADP. So to switch over to wide receiver, they were also hyper. We were also as drafters hyper efficient in 2018. And remember, when 2018 ADP is the ADP before they played the 2018 season. So it's within the same year. 
same season, if you will. Um, our average inside the top five at wide receiver was pretty, pretty much exactly average. 40% of the top five um, finished in the top five, which is about the same at running back, interestingly enough. Inside the top 12, however, 75% of our top 12 running backs in ADP, wide receivers, sorry, finished as top 12 wide receivers in 2018. And in the article, I said, Look, I don't know if this data, I don't know what's regressing, but that seems to be too hopeful that we're going to get, you know, 10 of the top 12 wide receivers correct when typically we get about six. That That's probably not going to happen every year, at least. So 2019, look at the top 12 list. And probably imagine half of them don't hit rather than 10 of them, rather than only two of them. Um, and in fact, in 2019, our ADP inside the top 12 for wide receiver did drop. It regressed close, it actually regressed below the average of 50% inside the top 12 to 41%. Uh, how many of that is of 12? Like eight, eight, eight players we got right, something like that. So, well, no, it's less than that, Pete. I, don't, don't, don't math me right now. It's like 5 a.m. Um, it's like 4. Anyway. Um, so, uh, the interesting thing is that wide receiver, all of it pretty much regressed to close, in or around the average, av- this weird average of five or six years of ADP that I'm happy enough to say wide receiver were pretty much as you'd expect. We had a pretty decent wide receiver year. It wasn't spectacular. It wasn't underwhelming. And that probably feeds into running backs being us being hyper-efficient at drafting top 24. And then, you know, just kind of okay. Fine, normal, above 50% mark in most categories at wide receiver. Probably also blends into that feeling a little bit. So that's interesting because I hadn't thought of that as feeding how we feel about drafting players right now. I was thinking all about the flattening of points per game scoring inside the top 12. In fact, ADP has kind of lent us that way too, and that article suggested that we should probably expect that because because we're so efficient inside the top 12. And again, inside the top five, we were consistently predicting 40% of the top five wide receivers, which is one of the marks of the wide receiver class. We're running back inside the top 12. It's about the same average. We get it about 40% right 40% of the time, or 40% of the players who draft in the top five finish there. But at running back, it's yo-yos a lot more often. 20, 0, 20, 60, 40, 60, 40. You know, it goes up and down fairly regularly. Whereas at wide receiver, it's pretty much 40. Occasionally, we get a 60-year. Occasionally, we get a 20-year. But most years, we're hitting at about 40% of the players <coughs> inside the top five actually hit there. And that's, you know, with injuries and with situations, all of it included. So wide receivers, I mean, it doesn't say we're going to get better at predicting wide receivers with our IDP, but it does mean that, you know, we shouldn't expect anything worse than happened last year. IDP should be about as accurate as we're typically used to, whereas inside the top 24, there may be a lower floor for our running backs than we are feeling right now coming off a really efficient year in 2019. My conclusion for that was, look, I, I don't know what that really means, but I do think it's a year to really target your favorite, whatever your evaluation process is, backup running backs. There are going to be 
more running backs falling outside the top 24, which likely means there are more running backs falling into the top 24 or climbing. One of the most common climbers in ADP is running backs drafted outside the top 36 that finish inside the top 12. That's one of the things about running back. I mean, we all get the value of running back at the top, but if you want to take shots at a position outside the top 36, like running back's a place to go. Automa upside, lowest price, happens more often than wide receiver, wide receiver than a tight end, than a quarterback. That's the one that happens most often. And that reflects how we feel about, you know, replacement level production from running backs, right? So that's just the brass numbers between wide receiver and running back when this ADP update I was doing. And then I got thinking more about more about the 2020 season. A lot of my podcasts are talking about COVID, the likely implications, what the NFL is and isn't rolling out for 2020 season. Um, and something's occurred to me to listen to one. You should listen to the Dynasty Dummies. Zach just did a great solo podcast about it. He named a bunch of great running backs, which are really good targets. He mentioned Justin Jackson. I really kind of like that name. I used to love that name. Now I just kind of like it. Big fan of Austin Eckler, but I like Justin Jackson a lot in the profile. You know, he's back there still. And, um, you know, uh, and a lot of stuff like that. One thing that occurred to me was that Philip Lindsay and players like him, Melvin Gordon, Abbott, Jeptra, obviously, and even Royce Freeman, get kind of this suspension in value with COVID or the potential of, you know, being getting one positive test and being out for at least two weeks, see what the test says then, and it can expand if you keep getting positive tests you're kept off um, on the commissioner exempt list or whatever now missing two weeks of your running back is going to be really painful but that also means like Lindsay's value is kind of suspended because it should fall a little bit but Lindsay's a really good player but we do expect Melvin Gordon to be Melvin Gordon a little bit and typically running back value teeters off very quickly that's the other thing about running back in dynasty or redraft running back value tends to plummet fairly quickly after the peak you know which, you know, someone like Lindsay and Gordon at different points in their career could be seen as, you know, on the decline of their peak, maybe. Even though, you know, we should... Exp- I really think, you know, I think it was... I've got to stop saying you know. Um, I forget his name, but someone did a whole lot of really good research, and I'll remember it and kick myself after I release this podcast. I think it was Adam Harstead about, you know, how well running backs produce in their second contract and what he found is mostly we overinflate the idea that running back running back production falls off a cliff it mostly just declines slightly but productive running backs remain productive running backs which is good to know since my whole thing is you know good players are good don't don't fear the age it's good to know that someone found some of that for running back in a way as well if they're LaShawn McCoy um or Melvin Gordon they don't become none when they get their second contract or they go over a certain age they produce good numbers you know like i'm david johnson and todd Gurley. this uh, this season is going to fit into that category but i'm wondering off the point this suspension of value is a really interesting thing for some players depending on the state of your team or how you're feeling about it that offers you an extra window to trade or an extra window to hold maybe you're a little more hesitant to hold to sell running backs despite value cliffs and stuff and that all makes sense to me. And so does finding all these backup running backs. I mean, I just literally said that about ADP. But the ADP is assuming a regular normal season. It's not factoring in, you know, this extremely unfamiliar, unique situation. Since 2013, we've seen none of that. So ADP is kind of outclassed that way. But 
listening to all of it, I can't help think there's one thing I not I, hear, I don't hear a lot, and it was kind of my second thought when people started talking about it. Because everyone mentions that the virus don't care, man. Virus don't care who good. Virus don't care who's bad. That's true, but it can go the other direction. Like I, the emails I've received about it, or the messages on Patreon have all been about, you know, is it a good idea to sell Zeke? Because he's in for a good year. He's a great player, but. If this season doesn't happen, or it's muted, um, or I miss some weeks from him, like this is, I, might be the t- last time I can get full Zeke value. And maybe I don't, I don't know the states of your teams, and you know I wrote what I think are appropriate responses to all similar questions. But with the COVID problem for fantasy football, obviously it's serious, and there are much more important questions going on about all of it. How it matter where you are on the on the feelings towards COVID spectrum. Um, like Zeke might not be the one that gets sick just to keep up with this particular example. What if Tony Pollard is the one that gets injured? Oh, sorry, gets gets a false positive. And I hate to think about players getting sick. So let's just say it's a false positive and he's actually healthy, but he's going to be out two weeks. So you're telling me I've got Zeke or Elliot? In a year where players are dropping and climbing, and it'll happen to defenses too, so he may be facing weaker defenses because people get put off for two weeks. And the only option for Dallas is to sign someone off waivers, which is what they'll probably do, but they won't be Tony Pollard. Won't be that good, and they won't be that trustworthy, and they won't know the offense that well. Maybe they'll have more backups going into the season. We really, truly don't know. But what if it's the guys on the depth chart that get sick rather than the player you're worried about? Like Ezekiel Elliott with a Christian McCaffrey level work load? That's something you want to trade now in case you run out of value window? Like, I mean, maybe I'm all about the win, and I am. But like, because we don't know, and because it's essentially a random variable, I think you can overthink, what do I do in fantasy because of this situation, really quickly, and really hurt yourself for it. Now, I do think some of that, some players like Lindsey and Freeman and even Justin Jackson, the suspension of value of players that might just teeter off into oblivion ordinarily, and for this season at least, they always kind of have some value. I think they're really interesting. I think it's a great year as well just to target backup running backs because of what I said about ADP. I also think it's a great year because of the COVID crisis to keep in mind those players that you think are significantly better than most players for whatever, from whatever your evaluation process is. But, you know, they're, they're never going to get there. Names that spring to mind are like Justin Watson or, or Tyler Johnson this year. They are on a depth chart where they have no chance. But now I have this random variable. I don't know what to do about it. I'm certainly not going to drop running backs to stash those guys if they don't already fit on my team. But I'm going to keep it in mind. I think those players have done something that says they have significant skill that the average backup doesn't. Another one, Tanner Gentry. I normally use his name as a joke now. Not because of the player. The player was great. <coughs> but I was really hot and heavy for Tanner Gentry. and really shouldn't have been. But he kept bouncing on and off the Bears practice squad. And what I kept saying is, one, his college production is decent. And this is an undrafted free agent getting promoted. Not these other guys that are that are drafted, that are on the roster. He's the one that keeps working his way into the field when they have a need. Turns out, he's probably not, I have to admit. Better than Anthony Miller. Okay, I can't admit that. He's better than Anthony <laughs> No, I don't know. But he is one of these players I've got in the back of my mind that is better than majority of, you know, replacement level talent, but just not quite good enough 
this is yeah, this really random variable running through depth charts might make knowing those players a lot more. Zach Pascal is someone I'm targeting anyway. Kendrick Bourne, someone I really like late as a wide receiver anyway. But those players that you think have, for whatever you like, whatever reason you like them, a little bit better chance. But they're never going to make it because they got Alan Robinson in front of them, and because you know teams don't like undrafted free agents or whatever it is for you. Like this is the year that if you have extra debt space, just add your favorite ones. Favorite never going to happens, right? So I like that, those small move hedging against COVID. I'm all for, like, get, get your favorite guys. This is another year to suspend value. Yeah, I get to, like, if Michael Campanaro is still in the league. I'd be, yeah, I'd be interested in some Michael Campanaro. I get to really like Kendrick Bourne just a little bit more than maybe I should. Zach Pascal, Justin Jackson, love it. But don't make big moves based on it because it is a random variable and it can be as helpful as it can be hurtful. And I think we can overthink this thing really quickly. Again, Tony Pollard might be the one who has to take two weeks off. And Zeke's just, all right, I, I'm Ezekiel Elliott and a generational running back. I'll take 77% of the, of the team's workload for the next two weeks. Maybe that'll rhyme with people that uh, I'm really, really good and deserving of my own new contract, whatever. And Melvin Gordon, I mean, you worry that he might get COVID. But what if it's Philip Lindsay that gets COVID? Or gets a positive test, but actually is healthy in in, in in my fantasies or my fantasy life. Like all players are always healthy, to be honest. So you know, accidentally gets a false positive, and now it's just Melvin Gordon and Royce Freeman is you know still in running back jail and the Broncos. Like that's a it can be as much a positive as it can be a negative. And I, I mentioned on the IDP side, on the defensive side, this is going to be running rampant through both sides are hopefully not running rampant but the possibility of it is true on the defensive side of the ball as well and it reminds me a lot of dfs analysis where you know sometimes positive correlations are also correlated in negative correlations and you end up you know being better off fading it because of it well the one that comes to mind is weather like bad weather bad rain bad storms is often used to fade an offense but a lot of DFS players that I really respect, it's like one of the better points I ever heard that really helped me out with DFS, is you've got to remember the defensive players are playing in that too. Have you ever tried playing cornerback, running backwards as fast as you can to keep up with an incredibly athletic dude on wet mud? Like, what if it's the defender who trips instead of the receiver? Then it's then you should play that guy. And that's what COVID, the COVID crisis in fantasy reminds me of. Because you don't know, they kind of the noise can cancel each other out. I like the small move, get your never gonna happens on on your roster, just because that's fun. We get to root for the guys that are never gonna happen, but we always kind of had we all kind of like them. We think they're a little better than most, um, and that could be a fun part in this terrible thing happening. We can have a little extra fun. That's that's a silver lining for me. Um, but yeah, it's basically bad weather games. I mean, yes, it's probably more negative than it is positive, but if you, you know, run out the four scenarios, then frankly, the defender could trip or the wide receiver could trip. And so you have a decent shot, depending on the wide receiver, the matchup, and whatever else you value for that start. And so I want to apply that kind of logic. You know, the crisis could go both ways. It's not just backups, and it's not just suspension of value of players who would normally drop off a bit. 
um, because they're in a more muddled situation or whatever. It's also like your studs might actually get a little like you might actually be valuing them a little higher than you even would normally because there's random variable that can suddenly mean oh Deontay Johnson and all the other Steelers wide receivers are unavailable. It's both it's just Juju Smith Schuster and people who really shouldn't be playing fantasy. Well, okay, that's that's pretty good news for Juju Smith Schuster. There'll probably be less passing attempts and he'll be a bigger part of those passing attempts. Maybe he'll get focused on by the defense more. But you see what I'm saying. That there is scenarios where it's positive for a stud as well as negative for a stud. So I, that would be my 2020. That's where I'm at with it. I don't want to make big moves. I don't want to overthink it. If anything, I want to suspend and maybe even heighten value on players who are already really valued. Now... That's all really sad to think about, actually. COVID. So I want to talk about something else just before we get out of here about the 2020 season. Another thing that I've been updating. If you haven't checked out my YouTube videos looking at the most common breakouts that happen in any given season uh, at all positions. Like, they're all there. I don't want to run through all those numbers. I, You know, I've there's hit rate. You know, the percentage of players that hit at a certain level of production from any particular draft round. That's hit rate. Breakout rate is also something that I think is pretty common right now. Most people are aware of it, which is the percentage of breakouts that happen that happen in an individual career year. So, for example, you know, like 40% of wide receivers from the first round that break out for a top 24 season happen in their first year. It's a pretty good number. And then you look at how common is that. So in any given scene, and, and that's what the video is about. But what I was doing is trying to create a visualization for any given season What's the breakout rate for all positions without having to look at all these different things or watch all these different videos? And so what I came up with is basically a breakout rate table for all positions and two for running back, one top 24 and one inside the top 12, breaking out inside the top 12 versus breaking into the top 24. And all players drafted within the first three rounds. That's not perfect. We know draft capital is a little more succinct and complex than that, but just to get it in one visualization, and I actually kind of like the way it came out. You can see draft round, you can see the breakout rate for the first five years um, of players' career as rookies into, you know, their fifth year. Um, And again, that's on Patreon. It's free. You can just go look at the picture. If you too, like me, like tables. Um, So what should 2020 look like? is essentially what I thought I'd end this with. In terms of rookies, all right, at quarterback, about 23% of the players that break out drafted inside the first three rounds. That's a caveat for all of this. There's 21 of them at quarterback um, since 2007. 23% of them broke out in year one, which isn't bad. It's actually even with the third year. The second year is actually the most common with 42% of players that break out at the quarterback position drafted inside the first three rounds break out in their second year. But... It's it's half as common, if you like, as the second year. So Joe Burrow, I don't hate it, but it gives you a, it gives you a decent picture of that it's probably not going to be top twelve this year for Joe Burrow. But he's got twenty percent of players who are going to do it, do it the first year. Interesting. How does that compare to running back? Well, running backs draft inside the first three rounds. All the caveats, fifty six of them inside the top twenty four since two thousand seven. About fifty percent of all those breakouts happen year one. That's a drastic, and it really explains our feelings on it. You know, running backs are much more likely to produce first year, produce early. 50% of breakouts since 
the first year they play inside the top 24 running back. Happened that first year. 23% are wide receivers, 60 total breakouts. 23% of them happened that first year. So about as common as a quarterback hitting inside the top 12 is a wide receiver hitting inside the top 24. Now, I would say, despite the fact that 23% seems relatively low, and I agree, that's 23% of the breakouts. Commonality-wise, those videos I was talking about, a wide receiver drafted in the first round breaking out for a top 24 season is the second most common thing to happen in any given year. The first most common is running back breaking inside the top 24. That happens. That's 3% of all breakouts in any given year. Wide receivers drafted in the first round Breaking out for a top 24 season happens about 2.3% of the time of all breakouts that happened since 2007. So it is actually the second most common breakout that we see in any given season. The third is actually a running back breaking inside the top 12, and it's actually about as common as a wide receiver breaking inside the top 24. Interestingly, if you go back to the history and all the breakout database that I've got up there, and pretty much a wide receiver breaks into the top 24 for the first time in their rookie season every year. There's like one or two exceptions. And maybe this is one of them. But it's not a decent... <clears throat> it's not a terrible thing to know that pretty much every year one rookie wide receiver is going to enter the top 24. I mean, occasionally it misses. But, you know, pick your guy in a redraft and just go, that guy. Just one late in the double-digit rounds. Just as a lottery ticket, because one typically does it. And, you know, is A.J. Brown last year. Terry McCollum's top 36 season was great. This is a very surface-level way of looking at it, obviously. But still, thought I'd mention that. So running backs breaking inside the top 12 are about as likely or common as wide receivers breaking into the top 24 in their first year. Uh, but they, again, when you look at the breakout rates, it's very clear you should value running backs early uh, in any given season. That's the way 2020 looks. Tight end, 11% of all breakouts, 26 of them, that have happened inside the first three rounds since 2007, happen in the first year. It's the least likely thing or the least common breakout um, to happen in the first career year as a tight end breaking inside the top 12. And that's a really easy category to get in. Like, a lot of players have done that. If they're drafted inside the first round, it's almost 100%. And you're like, David Njoku? Yeah, believe it or not, he had a top 9 season. You just didn't feel it because top 12 sucks for tight end. It's kind of a... But doing it top 5 is just way too high. Doing it top 12 is way too crappy. Anyway, yeah, just don't don't draft any... I won't say that, but rookie tight ends are very, very unlikely to do anything for you this year. You better have a taxi squad. If you drafted them, you better have prepared to wait three years. We've talked about that before. Like, if you're not, you shouldn't have drafted them because their value is going to drop probably before they actually do anything. Hawkinson and Fant right now, it's at least even if it's not lower than it was last year. That's just what happens. Like, if you're not willing to hold him at the same value after getting nothing, you shouldn't have drafted a tight end. It's that simple. Fourth round, third round, okay. Shouldn't have done it unless you're willing to hold him at the same value with nothing in return. Running backs, we should expect stuff from them this year more than any other position, which is, uh, you know, positive and a negative, right? We're going to get stuff from running backs, but if we don't, oh, oh, I didn't get anything from my running backs. It's devastating. Whereas wide receiver, you have a much longer window of maybe, uh, well, maybe next year. That can be done for a lot longer. Um, anyway, so yeah, 23% of Quarterback breakouts happened their first year. 50% of running backs inside the top 24 happened their first year. 
23% of wide receivers inside the top 24 happen in their first year. 40% of running backs going inside the top 12. 11% of tight ends that break inside the top 12 happens their first year. And I, I kind of appreciate this is just an image of what may or may not happen for any particular rookie class. And going into 2020, obviously the rookie season is going to look remarkably similar, but I'm kind of on Jacob Rickroad's side on this. He keeps bringing up... 2011 player holder, the most similar thing we have, you know, rookies not getting practice time before they're, you know, picking up the depth chart in training camp or whatever. And rookies had a rough year, but still some rookies did pretty good, specifically at the wide receiver position. Because it's one example, like, I can't say, therefore, wide receivers succeed if they hold out of training camp. Obviously, that doesn't even make sense. Most people would say the opposite. Running back position is easier to pick up or whatever. But, like, the one example I can pull to, like, wide receivers did fine that year as rookies. Like, pretty close to what you'd expect for average. And it was a great wide receiver year. We had Calvin Ridley. We had, sorry, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones. Everyone was going off. And wide receiver scoring was not flat inside the top 12. It was a wonderful year to have top 12 wide receivers. Um, But... That's a year to investigate if you're interested in more um, in what happens when training camp's missed. Um, maybe lean on your veterans a little bit more. That's been Jacob's takeaway, and I can't disagree with it entirely. But also, don't be so fearful of the rookies. Like, they can still get something done. In fact, we should expect... The thresholds are not gone, wide receivers specifically. We should still expect the wide receivers we really like in this class to get at least 10% or around 10% of the target share. They're going to show up for some games. If they don't, it's a problem, even with these current crises going on. that's I can't find anything to shift those categories in the same way that injury doesn't shift it for other people. But anyway... It's difficult with numbers, man. Everything revolves around what has happened before, and this has never happened before. So, I don't know. It's a really weird year to project as a data analysis. Yes, definitely time to go to bed. I'm going. Sorry, prouder on for too long. Um, Talk to you next week. Hope some of that was interesting. Check out those tables if you're into tables. Uh, I'm on your team, and I like tables too. If not... I will talk to you again next week. No problem. No how. Thanks again. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, though Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so got to say something um, so people that stuck around get to hear it, I guess Anyway, I believe there's going to be a t- NFL season Like, I don't know if anyone needs to hear that this at any point but 
Like, uh, I think before most people were taught, like worried, I did a video for my patrons where I say, you know, prepare. Just in simple ways, like focus 2022 picks. And I'm still on that team. I really like 2022 picks right now. But again, like the small move stuff I was talking about in the main episode, I'm not going too crazy with it. But I do think there's, I don't know entirely what it's going to look like. It's going to look weird. It's going to look strangled. It might be shortened. might be a lot of things. And the simple reason is there's way too much money on the line. Like even losing money with a terrible half season or the worst you can season you can imagine would be a lot better for everyone involved in the NFL, from managers, from all the billionaires to the millionaires. Uh, down now players maybe not uh, i know holdouts have been a threat but the season's going to happen but here's the thing we're fantasy players we'll hate it but we will count the points and we will claim the win and then we will wear the asterisks of all asterisks crowns and i'm one of those guys i don't care if you're going to put an asterisk on my win i still want the win so one way or the other, I believe there's going to be some form of NFL season. And there will be a fantasy winner. And I still want that to be me. I was going to say that too. Bye.